Welcome. Bienvenido. And welcome in, travelers. You're listening to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast, where your podcast for escaping life's monotony, indulging in your wildest travel fantasies, and discovering the constant beauty of this ever-changing world. You may experience some turbulence along the way, so buckle up and keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the vehicle as we wander on to our next destination. On today's episode, we'll be exploring some of the best and our favorite national parks in the United States. Welcome to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast. We're your navigators, Allison and Regan. And today we'll be hopping back to the United States and we'll be exploring the national parks within our country. And actually the U.S. national park system also includes national historic sites, national seashores, battlefields, monuments, parkways, rivers, etc., totaling 423 historic sites. But only 63 of those are actually designated as national parks in the United States. So we won't be covering all 63. You'd be here for like 80 hours and we won't do that to you. But we are going to cover a handful of some of our favorite parks or some unique parks, uh, some recommendations that we might have. But of course, as always, we do have our icebreaker. And today's question is, what is something on your travel bucket list? It can be a place or an activity. Allie, what do you think? Okay, this might surprise you, but paragliding in Interlaken, Switzerland. So let what? me just, yeah, let me just say I'm actually afraid of heights. <laughs> um, but I've realized like life is too short. I may be panicked, but it's one of those things that I would get myself very worked up about and be absolutely terrified. But it would be one of those moments where I actually feel like I'm alive and it gets your heart going and you're so grateful that you've done it afterwards. Like whitewater rafting I've done, absolutely petrified and I absolutely loved it. Um, parasailing, another one. So I just feel like I need to step more outside of my comfort zone. I'm a firm believer in life um, starts outside of your comfort zone. So I think paragliding and interlock in Switzerland would be the way to do that. Oh. You brought a tear to my eye. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) I know you've seen me grow up from the scooter incident to wanting to paraglide. So, you know, life truly is short. I'm so far. (laughs) I am just like speechless. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I want to go with you. So take Come on. Let's go. (laughs) I think for me, and I actually mentioned this on our Ireland episode, but it is truly the top of my travel bucket list. I really. By the time I die, well, rather be before the time I'm a senior citizen because my old body probably couldn't handle it, but explore Skellig Michael in Ireland. That's the island that's off the coast that, like, was home to monks several hundreds of years ago and has, like, beehive huts, and it's literally in the middle of the ocean, so there's whipping winds, and there's, like sheer cliff faces like you could die at any second and like I want to go out there and explore because I think it's the most I yeah I think epic would be like the best term to describe it and I really want that also secondhand reason for why I want to go out there is because it was a filming location for a couple of the Star Wars movies not that that's the first reason but it's what introduced me to the rest of the story of Skelly Michael so I definitely want to go out there That sounds amazing. I know, too, if you've seen our 
cover art for our podcast. We're also really into the Northern Lights. We have not been, so I think I can speak for both of us here saying the, the Northern Lights, specifically in Iceland, would be good, but we're not going to be too picky. Um, yeah. <laughs> we would both like to see the Northern Lights at some point as well. Yeah. I wouldn't turn away from Northern Lights elsewhere, but Iceland would be pretty awesome. Maybe you can put your Finnish um, fashion to use and we can go to Finland and see the Northern Lights as well. Ooh, okay. I'm in. Sign Let's just up. do a Northern Lights tour. How about that? <laughs> Sounds amazing. Put it on the retirement list. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, we're going to get back into the topic for today, and that is the national parks. Um, so we have gone to quite a few between the both of us, and today we're going to highlight some um, that we think people should go to. This is just our opinion. Use it if you would like. Um, and we're going to move from West Coast to the East Coast. Um, so let's get started. Our number one tip would be if you're going to go to probably, I would say, two or more national parks in the span of a year, not just on one trip, in the span of a year, get the America the Beautiful Pass. It is $80. It will be worth it. Um, and it gets you into the national parks. So you just have to pay that $80 fee once, and then you just show the card and your um, ID, and you will be free to go into the park. So two or more parks, highly, highly recommend getting that. Okay, so jumping right in on the West Coast, we're going to go to Alaska. So um, we're going to talk about Denali specifically. Um, and I have been there. Um, just once, and it was a couple years ago, but it was absolutely incredible. And I went during the summer months, um, which is prime time to go because from May to late or early September um, is the best time to visit. As I'm sure you can imagine, it gets snowy and icy and cold, and it gets harder to um, access the park. Um, so the best time to visit is late May to early September. Um, most people visit Denali because of the wildlife and Denali itself, the mountain, which is 20,310 feet tall, um, also known as the roof of North America. And it is quite, quite a sight. Um, so once you're in Denali, they do have a shuttle um, that is strongly encouraged that you take and actually you can only access certain parts of the park um, via the shuttle. So by taking the shuttle, um, you can get to different hiking spots. They can drop you off at certain points along the way. Um, and you can also see wildlife from a safe distance. If you have a camera, I highly recommend bringing a couple of different lenses because the wildlife might be further off in the distance. Um, but I've gotten some pretty incredible pictures using like my telephoto lens. Um, so bring a camera if you're able to. If you're not going to do crazy hikes, if you're just going to be on the bus, to see some of the wildlife, um, bring a camera. And if you are hiking, be prepared. There are bears in Alaska. This is not to scare you away. It is still safe um, to hike there, but just be prepared. Know how to scare a bear away. Wear bear bells. Create a lot of noise while you're hiking. Okay, you better be safe than sorry because you don't want to be dinner. <laughs> so when you're on the shuttle, um, it is a four to five hour bus ride or a six to eight hour bus ride, depending on how far into the park you'd like to go. Um, they do not make frequent bathroom stops. So if you can't hold it, maybe this isn't the place for you. Um, maybe not for kids who are potty training. You would not want to be stuck on a bus because they do not stop um, frequently for the bathroom. And 
there's nowhere to get food outside of the visitor center. There's just like some snacks in the small concession stand. Um, so plan ahead and pack your snacks and leave no trace. If you're going to be hiking, please don't litter um, in our national parks or anywhere for that matter. And it is still cold, like 60s. Um, so plan accordingly, wear long pants. You might be on the trail that has some high grass. Um, wear hiking boots. Even if you're just going to ride the bus, um, it's still good. There's kind of rocky terrain around, um, long sleeves. And then also pack a raincoat um, because when we were at the Ellison Visitor Center, we did um, a couple of the hikes that branch off from there. And all of a sudden it started howling. So um, it was good to have our raincoat so that we were prepared um, for that. And a couple of other hikes um, that I recommend is Triple Lake Trail. Um, it is difficult and strenuous. So nine and a half miles one way, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, and there's also Horseshoe Lake Trail, which is moderate, and it's just a two-mile loop. Um, so that is Denali. And then we're going to make our way um, down to Washington, the state, and go to Olympic National Park. And that encompasses nearly a million acres. The park protects a vast wilderness, thousands of years of human history, and several distinctly different ecosystems, including things like glacier-capped mountains, rainforest-like temperate. Um, temperate climates, and over 70 miles of wild coastline. So it is a very diverse um, national park. The best time to visit is July and August when it is warmer. If you're in Seattle, maybe you're um, wanting to get away from the city a little bit, it is about three hours outside of Seattle. So not too bad, but maybe you want to make a weekend out of it and not just a day trip because you don't want to miss out on all the awesomeness there. Um, so one thing I strongly recommend is checking out the tide pools at low tide. I could have spent all day there. Um, it was phenomenal. You can spot anemone, mussels, barnacles, starfish, just up close. You can touch them respectfully, of course. Um, and you can check those out at Second Beach, Third Beach, and Ruby Beach. Those are great places to see them. Um, but please know it is slippery. There is rocks and stuff that you have to climb on in some spots, so just be careful. And then some of the hikes that I recommend are Hall of Mosses, and it feels like a jungle. It is so cool. There's just huge moss like hanging off of trees, and it's very, very green. And it's 1.1 miles, so super easy. Um, Devil's Punch Hole, which is a beautiful lake view, and that's 2.4 miles. And then Mount Storm King, um, it's a harder... Um, hike and it's 4.1 miles out to mountain views. Now moving down to California, we have Sequoia National Park. Um, you've probably seen pictures of these gigantic trees, probably the General Sherman specifically, and that is the world's tallest tree um, measured by volume. And it stands 275 feet, that's 83 meters tall, and is over 36 feet, 11 meters, in diameter at the base of the tree. When you see it, it is hard to believe that that is even real and still standing because it is massive. Um, and Sequoia National Park was actually the first park created to protect um, a living organism. So that is pretty cool. And then a more fun fact than this, um, Sequoia actually plays an important role um, in figuring out how fire helps our ecosystem and Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park 
operate by each other, and they figured out that heat from low-intensity fires allows sequoia cones to open and drop their seeds in fresh ash bed. Um, and then the seeds are starting out as the size of an oatmeal flake, and then they begin to grow. And that is the best way for them to actually continue to reproduce and have long-term survival. So the fires are actually helpful in this case. Um, and then some things to do is check out the General Sherman, of course. Um, it's a 1.2 mile um, out and back trail. And if you would like to continue on though from the General Sherman, you can go to the Congress Trail, which is 2.9 miles. And then if you're not really into hiking, um, you can just drive through the tunnel log, which is a sequoia tree knocked over and it's cut out um, for cars to drive, drive through. So that is a really unique experience. Um, and that is Sequoia National Park. And now Grand Canyon. So this one is probably the one you're gonna be most familiar with. It seems to be the one that's talked about the most, rightfully so, I will not take that away from it. Um, but there is the North and South Rim of the Grand Canyon. Um, the park itself is 1,904 square miles. It is gigantic. Um, and I'm sure we're just scratching the surface on the things that are living down there. And a little fun fact for you, the most dangerous animal, believe it or not, is the rock squirrel. So who would have thought a squirrel? I thought for sure it would be like a snake or something, but a little fluffy squirrel um, happens to be the most dangerous animal in the canyon. And this is probably one of my favorite facts I actually learned this as I was teaching it to my students in a book that we read um, in the year, but it is home to the Supai village, which has a population of 208 people, and it is the most remote community in the continental United States. So believe it or not, people do live in the Grand Canyon, and the air in the Grand Canyon is among the cleanest in the U.S., so make sure you take a deep breath. Maybe you want to run a little bit, get your lungs <laughs> filled up with some nice clean air, get a break from the city um, air that you might be breathing in. So like I said, there is the North and South Rim. Um, I have been to both and they each have their pluses and minuses. So the South Rim packed with tourists because that is the one that you see pictures of the most. Um, it has some of the better views and it's open year round. So you can go any time of the year. Um, and there's more to do there. There's guided tours where you can go into the canyon. You could ride mules into the canyon. Um, you can even do rafting trips um, down in the Colorado River. So lots to do in the South Rim. Um, in the North Rim, I would suggest if you've been to the South Rim before, then I would go to the North Rim just to change it up. And there's less tourists. Um, the views are still nice. Um, there's a lot more greenery there and it's only open mid-May to October. So you're a little bit more limited in when you can go there. And then some things to do. Um, the park is pretty small in the North Rim, so you could probably drive in in about two hours and um, stop off at the scenic overlooks. There are a couple of trails to hike, despite being summer. Um, it is a bit cooler there, but it still will be quite hot. So plan accordingly, bring some water, wear sunscreen, anything you would normally do if you were hiking in the summer. So enough from me. You'll hear from me later, but I'll hand it over to Regan now. Oh, nice to meet you. Here in the <laughs> like Western region now, Ellie. <laughs> so I'm going to pick it up here with another very well-known national park, which would be Yellowstone. And Yellowstone actually spans through Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana. It is quite large. In fact, it has 2.2 million acres 
of nature and geothermal activity. So that would mean geysers, hot springs. It's actually home to half of the world's active geysers. Uh, there are several myths and movies and everything that are centered around Yellowstone and that it's like one giant volcano. And that is true, but of course it's dormant and we would know if some catastrophic event was going to be coming. There's science that backs that up. Uh, this is actually the first national park as declared by Ulysses S. Grant in 1872, which I found confusing when I was double checking my facts before this because I always learned that Teddy Roosevelt founded the national parks, but you can let me know what you find or anything like that. But back to kind of the things you can do. Like I said, there are a lot of geothermal spectacles everywhere. In fact, geysers being one of them. Old Faithful is probably one the one you've heard about. It is the most famous, but I would bargain that you can see less touristy ones just by driving around. Like my favorite one is called Puffin Stuff, and it's like this cute little thing that I was just like having to walk by, and there was like this little sign that said the name of it. Um, but you can just find really cool ones just driving around. But be warned, the more thermal activity that's around you, the more sulfuric the air will smell, which is not pleasant. <laughs> but it's just like you got to get over it because it, this place is beautiful. Uh, so some things to not miss. Yellowstone Lake is huge. Sunsets are beautiful. It's just uh it's just so serene. So you can't miss that. Go to visit the lodges and like maybe check out some camping. Don't miss Old Faithful Inn, which is one of my favorites. It's right next to Old Faithful, the geyser. And it's actually the hotel that Disney's Wilderness Lodge Hotel is modeled after. So that was like a must see for me when I went out there, of course. Uh, the Mud Volcano Trail is a trail through these, well, mud volcanoes, which are like these little hot pots of bubbling mud. And it sounds kind of weird, but it's pretty cool, actually. Uh, Mammoth Hot Springs. It kind of looks like a frozen Niagara Falls, but it's all of these hot springs that over time have kind of heated and cooled so that it looks like it's this cascade of springs. It's, it's really cool. Uh, there's also Grand Prismatic Spring, which is the first largest in the United States and third largest in the world, actually. And if you've seen pictures of Yellowstone, you've probably seen pictures of this. It's like greens and blues and reds and yellows and oranges. It's like really pretty looking. Don't touch it. <laughs> it is very hot. <laughs> I have not touched it, but take my word. <laughs> uh, and then a couple of hikes, the Brink of the Falls Trail to the Upper Falls of the uh, Yellowstone River, and then Uncle Tom's Trail down to the Lower Falls. Both of those are really great, really gorgeous. Um, you will get your workout in for the day, believe me, um, but don't miss those. And you can see tons of animals in Yellowstone too, from bison, pronghorn antelope, fox, bears, elk, prairie dogs, you name it, you can pretty much find it there, except unless it's a dinosaur or a whale. But stay in your cars. Please don't get out of your cars when there are bison or bears or anything around. You would not believe the things tourists will do to try to get a good picture. And I'm like, just look on Google. It's not worth your life to get out of the car and be eaten, like Allie said. <laughs> so that's Yellowstone. And now we're going to go down south a little bit more to Colorado, to Mesa Verde National Park, which is one, my mom's favorite national park. 
And over the course of 700 years, ancestral Pueblo people built these dwellings into the sides of the cliffs. And these can be found all throughout the West. Hovenweep is another great example. I believe that's in Arizona. But Mesa Verdes are perhaps the most well-preserved and like the largest concentration of these dwellings. And when I say dwellings, I don't just mean like a square carved into a mountain. I mean, these were like castles built into the sides of mountains, like open face walls and things like that, like open air but still so impressive. And within the parks, 26 Pueblos and tribes cultures are preserved. So it's, it's really cool. And there's a cultural center and cultural events run by Pueblo people. Uh, so you really can get a good sense uh, of what uh, the history is there. There's a pack of wild horses living on the grounds that they're so gorgeous. It's like in Iceland, we saw wild horses too. And that's just really cool. And you actually can tour some of these dwellings. They're incredible feats of construction. I've personally toured Cliff Palace and Balcony House. And it, it is really cool. You will have to climb some ladders and go through some tunnels and things like that. So if you're claustrophobic or anything, like I maybe wouldn't recommend it. But yeah, check it out. It's an incredible piece of history. Also in Colorado, kind of taking a 180 here you have great sand dunes national park and i bet most of you didn't actually know there were sand dunes in colorado like you think of outer banks or the sahara desert anything like that but actually the tallest dunes in north america are the great sand dunes in colorado they stand 750 feet tall and there's a total of 1.5 cubic miles of sand within the park. But this park also has grasslands, wetlands, forests, tundra. Like there's one location with virtually every habitat, which is really cool. And apparently, I have not experienced this, but it is apparently one of the best places on a clear night for seeing an insane amount of stars. Uh, so that would be pretty cool. This place has so much to do, though, because of the variety of landscapes that you can find beaching hiking you can go off-roading in a four by four but my personal favorite is sand sledding snow sleds tend not to work too well we tried it it was okay but not ideal but they do have rental locations specifically for sand sledding or sand boarding so and you can say you can sled or board anywhere on the dunes that doesn't have vegetation. So that's a pretty unique experience. But make sure to wear pants and a long sleeve shirt no matter the time of year if you plan to be on the dunes. Allie on her recent trip found out that sandburn hurts a lot. Uh, so cover as much of your body as possible. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up the most trending articles on the web on topics you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. The entire web becomes listenable for the first time, all in one place. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. Stop scrolling and start listening. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin, or even the Kardashians. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And the best part, they have podcasts. Explore trending podcasts from over 80 countries. You can even find us there. I started using it as my default podcast app. They even have a digital radio. Download and use Newsly for free now at www.newsly.me or from the link in the description and use promo code WIVES. That's W-I-V-E-S. And you can get a one-month free premium subscription. 
You can find all this information in our description from this episode. And now back to our episode. And then moving to New Mexico, there's Carlsbad Caverns National Park. And there is a park above ground, but the main event is 750 feet below ground, where there are 119 caves formed by limestone dissolved by sulfuric acid. And you do need reservations ahead of time because, of course, uh, it's very fragile and they don't want a ton of people down there. But you can explore on your own, but then you only get to go into the big room and the natural entrance. But I'd recommend taking a tour so that you get to go into more of the caves and see more because it's just it's crazy. Also, sidebar, if you're interested in like stargazing or bats, bats coming out of the cave, I'm not personally interested in that. But if you are, they also have programs for both of those things. Uh, You can elevator down or you can hike down. Same when you go up, you can do either one. But make sure that you wear closed toe shoes with good treads since it might be wet in the caves. There are literally moments where you look down over a railing into a dark abyss. So you do not want to be like slipping and falling into that. And make sure you wear layers because it might get chilly that far below ground. And then if that stressed you out a little bit thinking about the dark abyss, maybe you need some time to just unwind and relax. And I bet you didn't know that there is actually a national park that is kind of built for relaxation. And it's called Hot Springs National Park in Arkansas. The city itself is actually called Hot Springs. And there isn't an entrance fee or anything because it is that uh, it's a city. It's home to natural ancient thermal springs. I mean, there is also like mountains and hiking and creeks, making it truly unique. But the main attraction is Bathhouse Row. And from 1892 to 1923, famous architects were brought in to design these buildings to utilize the area's natural thermal springs for personal care and pampering. So all the way back there, they had spa on their mind. And they built, I can't remember how many buildings there are, but they're all gorgeous. And they all have kept like the original architecture, the original design, everything. So it's really cool. Um, And actually, there are a couple of them that you can go in and still get those traditional spa treatments. Now, (laughs) there are some of those treatments and I'm very glad they don't have anymore. There was this thing. It was like this little box. This metal box that you'd walk into and you'd sit down and just your head would be sticking out of a hole and it would heat up and it would be like thermotherapy or something like that. But it literally, (laughs) it looks like something you'd see in a torture chamber. So I'm very glad they don't have those anymore. But they do have the baths and the baths are incredible. It's It's natural thermal spring water of varying temperatures Oh my gosh, it's like going from one hot tub to another. And you have to be careful because you don't want your body temperature to rise or fall too quickly. Um, But they walk you through it and everything. There are two buildings that are in operation today. There's Buckstaff Baths, which is the one that has like the most traditional operations still to this day. And uh, treatments can go from $40 to $101. But the one that I did was Quapaw Baths. And this is $25 a person where there are, I think, three different temperatures of baths. Uh, It's basically like a communal hot tub. They're very large. There's cucumber water. It's fantastic. But it's $25 a person. That's it. Like it's and you just make an afternoon of hanging out and unwinding. And it's really great. 
Hell Bathhouse actually is now a luxury hotel, but each room has a tub in it that pumps in thermal spring water from these springs that are in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So they're really using all of that. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I want to go back right now because I, I need pampering in my life. But also another fun fact, though, today the Superior Bathhouse on Bathhouse Row is home to the only brewery within a national park. And it's the only brewery in the world to use thermal spring water in making beer. So that's kind of cool. Check that out. I was not of age when I was there. So if I went back today to get my pampering on, I'd go to the brewery as well. Um, but you can also hike to various springs. If you don't want to spend any money, you can hike to them. Uh, just be careful with the temperatures, of course. And then there are several spring stations where people can fill jugs and bottles with the water from the springs. So if you couldn't tell, I really like hot springs. Check it out. It's something completely different. Sign me up. I'm ready to relax and not be in the torture chamber, but relax and maybe be, you know, I don't drink beer, but I, you heard something about cucumber water. So that sounds refreshing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> help me in. Um, but completely switching gears here. Um, I'm going to talk about Everglades National Park, which is in Florida. And if you happen to find an alligator or something you might want to head over to Arkansas so you can relax and bring your temp your uh, heart rate back to resting and you can calm yourself down because you're bound to probably see one um but Everglades National Park um, is 1.5 million acres of wetland preserve and this is located in the southern tip of Florida it is the largest subtropical wilderness in the U.S. And the Everglades are typically, you know, being in Florida, um, hot and humid from May through November. And that's a large chunk of the year. Um, so temperatures usually range from high 90s um, and can get, uh, the heat index can get to um, over 100 degrees. So please, please, please hydrate yourself um, and be prepared. There are thunderstorms. Rain seems to come out of nowhere in Florida, um, so be prepared for that. There might be some heavy rains that might um, ruin some of your plans. So, like I said in a previous episode in Sweden, there's no such thing as bad weather, just poor dress. Well, thunderstorms might be the exception because you don't want to be out on the Everglades and there's a thunderstorm um, because that wouldn't be safe. But wet conditions and the high temperatures um, completely change the Everglades landscape, so just do know that depending on the time of year, you might be getting two completely different experiences because the weather levels change, um, different animals come and go. There can be insects. Plan accordingly for that as well. It is a wetland, so of course there's going to be um, bugs and different insects that you might um, come across. And something cool about the um, Everglades is that there's biking, canoeing, bird watching, camping, fishing, hiking, any outdoor activity. There's something for everyone. Or if you're feeling a bit more adventurous and want to go to the Everglades Safari Park, they offer airboat tours, um, which is really cool. This is where you might see the alligators, um, but they keep you a safe distance away. So unless you stick your hand in them, you know, that's on you. Um, But they also have a fun little interactive area. It's I wouldn't call it a zoo, but it's kind of similar because they have different reptiles Um, to see there. They have like little shows that they offer. So it's really great for kids and families. The Everglades is actually celebrating 75 years this year. So no time like the present to go check them out. You still have a couple more months left in the year if you want to go help them celebrate their 75 years. 
Yeah, I actually haven't been to Everglades, so maybe the 75th anniversary is the time to go. But that was 10 national parks that we threw out at you, and there are 63. There's so much more to cover. So if you do have questions, please reach out to us. Between the two of us, we've been to several of them. Um, But also, if you listen to our From New York to Arizona episode, you can hear more about the Rocky Mountain National Park, Black Canyon of the Gunnison, Zion, Arches. Uh, So yeah, you can check that out also. But to wrap up today, uh, I kind of want to just end with some questions. Ellie, what are your top three favorite national parks? Okay, so um, Kenai Fjords National Park is absolutely stunning. Um, and then Zion National Park, I know that's just a classic, but I keep going back. It's smaller. Um, I love the fact that you can take a shuttle there, hike or wherever you'd like for the most part. And I just never get sick of the rocks there. It's just incredible. And then Yosemite National Park as well. Um, really, really great park. I would could list every single one that I've been to as my favorites, but I'll keep it simple here with only three. But how about you, Regan? Yeah, that's accurate. It's hard to pick just three, but I would say Rocky Mountain National Park, Yellowstone National Park, and Arches National Park. Those are all hiking heavy parks, and I love hiking. So, uh, yeah. And then finally, what are the top three national parks that you want to go to that you haven't yet visited? Hey, so like Regan said, there are 63 national parks, and I've only made a small dent in them. So um, at the top of my list, I have Dry Tortugas in Florida. Didn't even know that existed till like a couple months ago and I saw a picture of it and I was like, what? That exists here in the US? That is amazing, I need to go there. Um, and then Lassen Volcanic National Park in California and then Capitol Reef in Utah. How about you, Regan? Yeah, it sounds like we need to make a trip to Dry Tortugas because A, I love Key West, and B, yeah, it looks amazing. And also just so different from so many of the national parks we've talked about. Like, we talked about a lot of hiking heavy, like nature heavy, but the snorkeling and the fort and everything in Dry Tortugas just makes it really cool. Channel Islands is another one in California that I really, really want to go to. And then I'm going to mispronounce this, Helekala in Hawaii. Uh, I just want to go to Hawaii so badly. But then also like these national parks, the Hawaiian Volcanoes National Park too. Oh, they just look amazing. So yeah, that's what I think I would have to say. But yeah, there's so much beauty in this country. And this was just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, so buy the National Park Pass if you're going to be going to more than two places. Leave no trace behind stay far away from the animals. You can't post the picture on Instagram if you've been stabbed by a bison. So uh, be careful, be responsible, and enjoy your time in the national parks. This country has a lot of beauty to offer, so go out there and explore it. Thanks for tuning in to the Wanderlusting Wives podcast. Come escape with us again every other Tuesday. Give us a subscribe and a follow on all of our social media and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until we chat next time, wander on.